I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Ducky? Check, 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 check. Rolling, rolling. All right. Rolling. Connor, you rolling, you said? Uh, yes. All right, cool. I'd like to open this episode right away with an apology to Connor, but a uh, congratulations to myself for the finest prank I have ever pulled on Travis Lee. <laughs> Wait, is today am I Bill Murchy? Am I Bill Murchy in Groundhog Day? Yeah, that's you this week. <laughs> yeah, because you I was played wondering him. why you weren't going to apologize to Travis, but now I guess now, I know why. Here's why I'm not apologizing to Travis, and I'm going to fill you in with this, listeners. What happened is, is that Travis sent us a movie to watch on movie night called Food Fight, which was a waste of an hour and a half of my life. And everyone else's who was in the chat. We had a great time, but I swore to get back at Travis. And the, the best way was to record an episode and fake a technical difficulty so we have to do it again. I, You know what? I don't get why everyone, our lovely people in the Discord, you should go hang out with us in the Discord, come to our movie nights. Everyone's great there. Very friendly community we got here at Roast Morning. But they don't understand cinema. They don't understand cinemas. They got so angry at me. This movie nearly took Pixar for a ride down to the poop zone. Travis, I didn't watch the movie. I just read a synopsis on Wikipedia and saw the pictures. And I feel like I had those seven minutes wasted the way Tom had an hour and a half of his life wasted by watching. You guys don't understand (laughs) cinema. You guys don't understand the cinema verte, cinema fiesta, cinema extra chunky cinema. Travis, all I understand is cinema. That's why I do cinema on the show exclusively now. Yeah, he's our cinema guy. Am I right? Am I right? What else do I do? I How many times have I said history's stupid, entertainment's real? Let's talk about that shit. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to take yourself back to the film history storyboards on Reddit and figure out that Food Fight is a classic. Right. Speaking of classics, hello, welcome to Roast Mortem. It's the show that puts oral and historical. My name is Tom. I'm a Travis. And I'm Connor. We're doing George C. Scott part two tonight, so strap up. And guess what? Mike didn't strap up, so he's not here. I don't know why. I haven't been able to talk to him. Mike, if you're hearing this, please reach out. I miss you. I don't know what's going on, but we love you, bud. How's the leg? Yeah, really. Yeah, maybe if he was snowboarding like a real man, he had to actually strap to this piece of wood. Do you want me to fake another technical difficulty? You're going to talk about snowboarding? Yeah. We're going to do George Scott Part 2, Volume 3, Redux. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just... This time with Mike. (laughs) I'm going to export this the worst, with the worst specs ever. All the way down. Hell yeah. Like 12-bit audio. Yeah, but that means that I could be remastered at some point, which is what movies are all about. Right. I'm talking CG Qui-Gon Jinn. All right, so since our last 
episode of George C. Scott Part 2. How's it going, guys? What happened? How's your weeks? You don't have to answer this. Actually, I'll go. I, I had a good week, good weekend. Uh, Lizzie and I went out for drinks on Friday night. Um, we went to one of those bars that has a beer wall. Have you ever been to one of those? Where when you open a tab, they basically give you a credit card, like a like not a credit card, but a card like um like a Dave from and Buster's. The place. Yeah, like a Dave and Buster's type card. And then you like put it on the slot of beer and pour yourself a good glass of whatever beer you want, and it charges you by the ounce. Whoa. Oh. And so like each beer is like a different price per ounce, and like as you're pouring, it's like this pour is like you see a beer filling up. It's like a little video game. And it's like, that was a $7 pour. Enjoy. And then like, there you go. Here's your beer. Wow. I wow. Would... They're they're turning bars into gas stations now. <laughs> exactly. it, it, it was like a gas station. <laughs> yeah. It was I, just like a gas station. It's not a good time for them to be doing that with gas prices like this. They need a new oh, model yeah. just for a few weeks until yeah. people uh, yeah. get used to this. Well, that's fun. Maybe yeah, when I come out good. to Astoria, we'll go uh, to the... Uh, dollar per ounce place. Yeah, just pour it by the ounce. <laughs> right into my mouth. I know there's mouth. a lot. There's a lot of hookah bars in Astoria. Do you think they have the same thing with hookah? Right, like every puff, you just boop, 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 boop. I'm sure that's really safe. Just having like the pipes dangling from the ceiling, <laughs> and you just go over and take a pull. Yeah, you don't have to clean off that mouthpiece. No, nope. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. COVID's done. We're done. <laughs> no, just and, like a Santa Romaine blow bang. <laughs> they measure the smoke coming out of your mouth as you breathe out, and it's like that was a dollar seventy six. Yeah, I don't have ruples. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, what did you do? Dude, uh, well, I talked about my week um, in the next episode, because guess what, Tom? We got all weird this week. Yeah. But I'll tell you about my day. I ate a, like a bucket of pad thai with peanut sauce on it, and my belly is like warm right now. <laughs> How many it's hours like very has it warm. been since consumption? Probably about three hours. Oh, so this is, this is live. Yeah, this is live updates right now. This is like turning on CNN when, for Travis's the week. Yeah. Friend of mine convinced me to start bulking, so I've been eating five times a day now, and my ass is uh, a dying rat. <laughs> Are you bulking with pad thai? I'm bulking with whatever I could eat, man. I'm going to mm. use mostly Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to bulk, dude. What'd you eat yeah. today, aside from Skittles, or is it uh, just Skittles? No, I had a a uh, Foz's enchilada. Uh, just just about thirty minutes ago, and then I had uh, two turkey burgers, an egg sandwich, some IKEA cod balls, yogurt. This is getting this is making me sick thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, Tom, you just clearly. <laughs> Tom, you just adapted how I live normally. Well, because I'm trying to be like my friends. All right, you know. Look, I, you could, if if I go to the li- the lipo place, you can just take my fat. Sure. Yeah, we can set up like a pump. I got a garden hose that come right out of my stomach. We can put it all into your butt, so you have a huge bedunk, and then you'll be balking up. Does that work Balk scientifically? Up. Yeah, I think we're the same. Like, I don't know, blood zone. Is that what they call it? <laughs> yeah, blood zones. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely the same blood zone. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into. The Roast. The second half of George C. Scott. 
a violent man with a violent life. Very cool guy. Very so, drunk, very so driving. Where we left off last time, yes, he was uh, leaving a drunk driving ex- escapade across the United States with a bottle of two bottles of vodka and a Lincoln Continental to go visit Ava, Ava Gardner, tripping up so many times right at the top. Uh, he beats the shit out of her. We talked about that. Then he leaves. So to lighten his image, he decides to do some comedies, light comedies. Get some good laughs in. Yeah. Yeah. The first was, not with my wife, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is terrible. It's by the people Uh, who made White Christmas. You know, the Danny Kaye, Bing Crosby one. Have you ever seen the movie? It's fucking atrocious, White Christmas. So this one is just as atrocious. Just as bad. Yeah. Well, what what do you think that they're doing with his wife? Driving cross country and beating her? Was that what yeah. his, someone was doing that to his wife? <laughs> yeah. Road Not with my wife, you don't. Yeah, next... I've seen I've actually seen that one, Tom. It starred John Sins. <laughs> nice. Not with my World's wife, best you actor. do that. <laughs> yeah. This next film he did was The Flim Flam Man, which was a con man comedy shot in Kentucky. This is where George formed his dude posse a group of men who would travel with him for the next 20 years of his career. Um, one of the guys that he picked up was this fellow named Dave Acevedo, and he was his makeup guy for every film from, I think we're in 1974 now, about there. So pretty much the rest of his life, this guy Dave was the makeup guy on every set, and he was the main source of information from the book I read. Which was, let me, let's say, Rage I, and Glory, The Volatile Life and Career of George C. Scott. I like that he has, like, a tough guy crew, and he's like, this is, like, Joey, he's my driver. This is Timmy, he's uh, my cook, and then Steve over here, wait, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dave. Dave. Dave, he does my makeup, all right? <laughs> yeah. You got it? <laughs> he does my eyeliner real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and so he's also he's kissing with his fist Ava Gardner, who also was involved with Frank Sinatra. He's got his own rat pack of men staring at each other's dongs in Humphrey Bogart's backyard. Right. This is a theory that he kind of made this posse because he was fucking around with Gardner and he wanted to watch his back with Sinatra's goons. Mm, okay. So maybe not a bad idea. Because you did so fuck like, up pretty bad. That's like that story, uh, what is it? It's like uh, the sou- Southern story with uh, the Puerto Ricans that are Jets and uh, the Giants. They're Italians or story? something. Yeah, South South Bank Western musicals. <laughs> Country Western. When you're a Jet, the Giants are here. That's a different team. And the Bills. Hey, wait, <laughs> where, where are we coming from? Where, ah. it sounds really good. I've never seen the movie. I know they dance in it. Yeah, that's they that's play all football. I knew. That's cool. So we also began doing random bits of charity, probably to help the image thing too. For example, one of the crew members of Flim Flam Man was killed in a car accident during the shoot. When the cast and crew were asked for contributions to the funeral, Scott quietly told the person collecting that he would take care of the funeral and to take all the money that had been collected and send it to the family. So that's nice of him. Good guy, George. What a good boy. And I believe it or not, the person who died was a woman. 
So that's a little strange for George. All right, wait. Uh, was it a hit and run that she was killed in? No. <laughs> or was, was feelings of guilt, maybe, <laughs> motivating these actions? I, wait, I, is, is he taking up, like, jousting of hitting women? Like, is he, like, <laughs> hanging his, his arm out the window while he's driving and just... <laughs> <laughs> Going for a punch, straight yeah. fist. <laughs> yep. It's like imagine Lisa Simpson doing that. I'm putting my arms here, and if you happen to be in the way, then it's your fault you get hit. And then George C. Scott on the other end, you little star-headed fruit fish. <laughs> Dude, just in the news, apparently latest episode of The Simpsons, not like anyone really cares about it, they went on Joe Rogan and canceled themselves. That was actual plot. Awesome. This is terrible. Uh, canceling to the mainstream media is basically a free commercial. So why not? It's yeah. super in right now. Yeah, I mean, we they actually reached out to me, Matt Groening. He said, I'm going to come out of retirement to write a real episode. And I was thinking maybe get you on board because you've done some animes. And I said, no, you fucking idiot. You're fucking old and stupid now. Get out of here. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, tell Matt Groening to eat it. Yeah. What, what has he dick? done? What has he done ever? <laughs> what has he done? Fuck that guy. Uh, George straightened out his act, too. He did. Uh, he remarried Colleen Dewhurst. Colleen later stated that the second marriage felt like a joke and that they had gotten along much better when they were divorced. No surprise. Scott and Dewhurst were both extremely busy with various stage productions. Scott took to directing again in The Cook's Garden, in which the producers cast Burl Ives as the leading man. No, that's Burl Ives. It, Does anyone know Burl Ives from the last time I read this? Uh, <sighs> I do remember him from Santa Claus. <laughs> I remember being thrown off by the name Burl. <laughs> yeah, it's a good name. Well, he was a folk singer, and he was one of these guys who couldn't act his way out of a paper <laughs> bag, so Scott, of course, hated him. Yeah. Um, he ends up quitting on opening night, Scott, which was great because that play closed a week later, 100K in the hole, and Scott skated by without having his name dragged along with that. Wait, so you're telling me like Burl Ives is pretty much, what's his name, the fucking guy from 30 Seconds to Mars that was the Joker and pretending to act, oh, but he's the uh, worst actor ever? Jared Leto, right? Yeah, he's he's the 60s Jared Leto. Uh, that guy is the worst. I didn't see the House of Gucci just because of he's in that in a stupid fat suit. Come on, I, I I'm not um I don't know. I have no comment on that to be honest with you. Oh, you know what? I just read something here. I skipped ahead. We are not in the 70s. We're still in the 60s. But that's about to change now with this sentence as we enter the 70s. Scott's next film is one worth noting. 1970s Patton. About George, uh, General George S. Patton, a wild man general who led the U.S. charge and trampled the Axis powers in World War II. He was a controversial figure, and he will be covered on the show at some point. His biopic, uh, I'm sorry, Travis, what was that? This is his most famous video still, right? What, what are you showing? Oh, <laughs> Ew. What? I didn't show you anything. No, I, thought, I know. I was pretending oh. that you were for the home. Oh, okay. People at home, no, not but I'm just... those of you not rich enough to watch. 
I can I can send a dick pic if you'd like, but I'm saying this is him standing in front of. If you don't know, it's him standing in front of flag, yelling at people. Yeah, that's a general. It's a good one. This is a great film, truly is. Let me tell you more about it. The biopic on Patton was in the writers' room for about twenty years. In the fifties, it was in the works, but Patton's wife got involved legally and stopped the development. When she died, others in the family continued to hold it up. And even the Department of Defense stepped in. Eventually, the Department of Defense let up, and in 1966, the writing continued. So, thanks, government. Dude, they're I like, love Vietnam when- has really tanked our image. Let's get a good movie out there that make the boys feel good about fighting wars. I mean, if this makes you want to fight, if this doesn't make you want to fight, yeah, I'm sorry, you're you're a disappointment. I mean, I'm just gonna go what they do. And say other countries, I think the government should make all of our movies, approve all of them. You think so? Yeah. I don't want creativity. Movies aren't supposed to be creative. They're supposed to have a message and a purpose. (laughs) Tell me what to think. Yeah. Come on. That's what what you're doing with TV when you watch 30 Rock. You're like, oh, oh, look, they made this actual channel, and this is not how it is. This man, oh, look, it's lady. Something that really struck me odd about 30 Rock is that it it was like, look how zany we are. Yeah. Look at this crazy office that we have. It's like... I did work for 30 Rock. Like, I worked for actual NBC, and they all seemed pretty miserable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They don't keep the lights on. The first final of the script... Anyway, Tom, sorry. Enough of this creativity. Fire all the writers. Let's get just, you know... Government aids. All right. Well, if that's what you want to do, I'll visit you sometimes. (laughs) See what you're thinking by watching your local Marvel adaptation of propaganda. Yeah, it's all run by Disney. I mean, Disney's probably got an agenda. The first final of the script was written by a young Francis Ford Coppola, which was rejected by the producers at Fox. They had another young man named James Webb who had been around for a while, and they asked him to rewrite it. After much debate, Scott was approached to do the film, and he agreed to do it, but only if they could do the Coppola version. The studio agreed, but they had to fire a director. In the meanwhile, the whole thing was a mess to get off the ground, but it's worth it. Scott took the role very seriously and studied Patton's TV appearances and writings obsessively. He adopted everything about Patton, even the, uh, actually, no, not even. He left out the weird high-pitched voice. <laughs> um, Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, watch a Patton speech. He seems like a nerd. Not inspiring <laughs> at all. I think it's just funny that automatically when there's these big people in history, their voice turns really deep. Then you get little weenie voices in history a lot of the time. You know? I think it's all the 300 you know, the, the movie 300 when he's, this is para. I mean, now everyone right? has to have a deep voice. If that actually happened, you know, he probably would have sounded like, this is Sparta. <laughs> you know? We should do a bad lip reading thing, but just re dub all these historic biopics, but with lisps for everyone and call it lispery. <laughs> like, don't change the lines at all, but just do different accents. Yeah, just just Higher add the lisps. lisps. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll make it more accurate. The world's funniest hate speech. And the first movie we're going to do is The Patriot, the most accurate 
most historical movie, movie ever. ever. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's a and great the movie. Second I love one will be Passion of the Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mel Gibson's. How you doings? <laughs> I'm an Australian man that saved America, don't you know? I forgot he's Australian. What a nice guy. <laughs> During production, Scott was very public about his distaste for the whole thing. He, uh, he always hated the way producers treated shit and had no problem lambasting them to reporters and whatnot. The famous opening scene of Patton where he addresses the audience as if they were his troops about to get uh, shot at, basically. That was shot at the end. And Scott was skeptical of the scene, but also every time he wanted to do a retake, Scott insisted on doing the entire six-minute monologue from the top. Long day. That's That sounds like roast mortem, because we're doing the entire monologue with George C. Scott again now. But you see, I, I think it's fine. Connor hates me right now. Connor wants to kill me. I can see it in his fucking face. Uh, you're making the best of it, and I feel like a genius. It was a it's good right. prank. I got to give you that. Yeah. This is take two. Take two. We got to get the best take. Yeah. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is Roast Mortem, and also I'm <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Do you think he ever got to like the five minute, 58 second mark of the speech, and then someone like coughed? <laughs> Everyone just like would turn and look at that one dude. <laughs> it's like, he fucked it up. We're oh. so close. Oh, that's God. actually. That's actually a great question. I wonder what he was like. You know, when the, like the, that Christian Bale clip came out where some guy accidentally like dropped the boom mic or something. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking professional. You're a fucking joke." Like, imagine if that happened on a George C. Scott set. Like, if you if you're the boom guy or the light guy, he knocks something over and he's in the middle of his theatrical monologue. Of course, yeah. I mean, Scott was into those two, three takes tops, and th- we'll see. In the future, his temper is very short for this kind of bullshit. And didn't Patton hold? Didn't he hold a riding crop in Patton? So like he had something to beat you with. Yeah, yeah. that's scary. Right at hand, like if you fucked up. Maybe they had like a fishing line on it so they could pull it away. Yeah, and even though he's not a character act, me, like method actor, even George C. Scott's violent, just like Patton. So of, of course, yeah. yeah, he's just insane. <laughs> Actually, quick side note story. One time, I was shooting a short film. And I'm the sound guy, sound engineer, doing the boom operation. And we're shooting at like 2.30 in the morning. And I got in at like 6. It was really, really like pushing it. You know when you start laughing hysterically for no reason when you're tired? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this bitch is doing a scene where she's yelling at her boyfriend. And her titty kept flopping out of her like little (laughs) nightdress. She had like, she had a very like, there was not a lot of volume, but a lot of flab to her boob. And I just thought it was so funny in that moment, and I couldn't stop laughing, and I ruined two takes. <laughs> as the sound guy. I ruined the sound as the sound guy. It was so funny. Yo, sometimes, when, sometimes titties falling out is funny. Just the way she, she was a great performer, but it was just like, she got down all sad, and I was just like, you look so terrible right now. <laughs> anyway... Scott was back into drinking, but he was pretty well-behaved on the shoot, and besides almost going blind once, he looked back at the production kindly, after it was done, of course. That's a pretty sizable thing to just leave aside. Like, aside from almost blinding, 
pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, aside from the near total maiming, it was uh, it was all right. <laughs> so I know he had a detached retina later. I don't even know what happened. I, I, I read read in the book, they like they flew out a special doctor and the doctor was like, he just needs to rest. And that was it. So very <laughs> uneventful. I don't even know why I'm telling you guys this. Do you think his eyeball just like fell out because he's so angry his whole life? Just like bulging out of his head and it was like, Bruh. whoa, no. <laughs> Perhaps. When Patton came out, it uh, wasn't a hit right off the bat, but eventually it launched Scott into a new type of stardom. He was a Hollywood big dog now. It's a good movie. Side note. Watch the movie. Richard does it have, Nixon, tank, does it have is, tanks in it? What's that? Does it have tanks in it? Of course. Does it have uh, soldiers? Are, uh, yes. Does it also have planes sometimes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. I'm just checking to make sure it has all the things I like in a movie. <laughs> all three Good. boxes checked off. Yeah. <laughs> tanks, what? soldiers, planes sometimes. Yeah. And written by the government. Speaking of the government, Richard Nixon was a huge fan of the film, and some believe that after a few viewings, he was inspired to invade Cambodia. <laughs> Give me that rocket, Cambodia, just like Patton did. <laughs> I like how you're doing a Richard Nixon impression from Futurama, <laughs> <laughs> and not even a real one. Maybe my favorite depiction of Richard Nixon, though, yeah. is Futurama Nixon. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, Spira Agnew and Futurama, the premiumists. <laughs> After the film came out, Scott continued working on a few forgettable films and directed a TV production of the Andersonville Trial. We mentioned that in the last episode. He spent 150 k on the rights to Harrow Alley as his first real shot in producing. He wanted to direct it, which totally backfired because no studio would fund it or put it out. So it got shelved. And the last I heard, Emma Thompson was trying to do something with the script in 2018. It's uh, not going to happen. Nah. Who cares? Probably just not even do that. Uh, so when you said Emma Thompson this time, I also had the same thought last time you said Emma Thompson. <laughs> I instead was picturing Emma Watson, and I was like, man, it'd be weird for Hermione Granger to make a George C. Scott movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it clicks. Oh, no, not that Emma. Although Emma about- Thompson was in Harry Potter, too. Yeah, she was uh, one of the professors, right? She's one of the homeless professors in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, she's the pigeon lady in Home Alone 2? Sure. No, that's Donald Trump. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait. So speaking of movies that never got made, did you ever see that little memo that Julia Roberts put out that uh, she was going to play Harriet Tubman? <laughs> I I actually saw that in passing today. What? And I had to scroll past as soon as possible because I I didn't want to laugh <laughs> in a fit for hours on the ground. The yeah. idea of Julia Roberts in blackface. <laughs> when was this supposed to happen? I think it was in the 90s, dude, back when they made uh, Tropical Thunder, right? That was a real classic one of... <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time we were able to do it, boys. Yeah. Savory. Trudeau didn't get the memo. 
He still does it. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I bet you Trudeau is in that right now. Yeah, I bet you he's he's in blackface right now, getting fucked in the cab of a trucker's uh, sleepaway den. Yeah, that's because that's, that's the kind of guy he is. Because he definitely fucked those people. In 1971, Scott was hired for various projects. The last run, that was one of them. Uh, it was a total nightmare of a shoot, but this is where Scott met his next lady, Trish Vanderveer. Uh, another one that he was in is Hospital. Hospital. Now, Hospital was uh, its a weird film, and it's free on Amazon Prime. I recommend you watching it. It is very close to what George C. Scott was like with a little bit less of an anger problem. And this character is plenty angry. So okay. the character is slightly better control of his anger, is what you're yes. saying? Slight, yeah. Slightly better slightly. control of his anger. Hammered throughout the whole thing. Has sex with young women like a real guy. And that's it. Would you say it's your favorite? What's your favorite of his performances? Mm. I think it's hmm, a good question. I don't really like Hospital. No, just saying it. I watched it. It wasn't terrible. His performance was fine. The script kind of sucks. I mean, I really like Strange Love, and uh, the Changeling is really good. So we'll get into the Changeling in a bit. Uh, I think I need to go to the hospital right now. Oh, is it the Pad Thai brick? Making, Dude, making it's moves. so hot. It feels like there's like <laughs> literally like somebody like lighting little matches in my stomach. All right. Do you need a few minutes? And I'm also going to leave this in. Uh, no, I'm good. I think if I poop, I'll just do it here. I have this gaming chair, so it needs to be coated <laughs> in a proper film. Yeah, it's like a cast iron skillet. It needs to be seasoned every couple months. <laughs> You're yeah. a real hero, yeah. Travis. Thank you. So during the filming of The Last Run, the Oscar nominations were announced. Scott's public stance was to not participate in the Academy Awards. As he said, the Academy Awards show is a meat parade. <laughs> Ooh. Great insult. Still works. <laughs> yeah. I like meat parade. It's the only type of parade I like. I mean, I know Tom, you, every time the Oscars are on, Tom is right there watching for the best, latest outfits. Um, all these important people, the most important people in our industry and in our world. Besides the men in the government that write the movies. <laughs> right. Because they have to be behind closed doors. And they're actually yeah. Indian children. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, the little sh baby shark, that's going to be the next animated Pixar movie. But the guy who did Food Fight is going to make it. Awesome. Because he bought <laughs> Pixar after Food Fight came out. Because it was so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Trav, let me tell you... Um, I want to tell you. I want to ask you something. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember our first time Twitch streaming under Roast Mortem? Oh, yeah. We watched the Oscars. Yeah. We did a live commentary on the Oscars. We, wow. we did. Yeah. It was pretty good. Two-thirds of it was really good. Which one was it? Which Oscars? I don't remember. It was the last one I watched ever. Was it the one where they got the award wrong? That was the last funny thing that happened at the Oscars. Oh, what? <laughs> Warren Beatty saying La La Land, and then... It, uh, oh, they it, gave him the wrong envelope. Yeah. No, they didn't give him the wrong envelope. He's retarded. <laughs> He's actually retarded. He he tried to explain himself. He, they, they didn't give him the wrong envelope. They list all the things on 
they list all the nominees and then they like circle it or put it in bold or something and he just read the first one i thought they had given him um the envelope for like the the different award no like he, they had ah oh. no this man had all the hardware he needed to do his job and um you know what? it's been downhill since dick tracy let's put it that way well you know george c scott he had the right idea back in the 70s yeah he said fuck him. fuck these meat parades <laughs> i'm staying home so he took issue with the campaigning and frivolous competition of the Oscars. He accepted other awards, but the Oscars were egregious to him. Uh, That's the Star Wars character. Yeah. E yeah. Egregious. Yeah. <laughs> egregious. <laughs> Either way, he was nominated and won Best Actor, which he outright rejected. He stayed at home to watch hockey the night of the ceremony, and the Academy Award... The old uh, little Oscar dildo that they hand out is still in the Academy warehouse to this day. Oh, you think it's just no one can legally pick it up? Yeah, I, I think that his whole family recognizes that he he doesn't want that. So no one's going to pick it up. And the way those things work, I think they still own it because they have to like, you know, the, you know, this about the Oscar awards, right? That they have to uh, you have to get permission to sell them. What? Yeah. So if you're given one, it comes with a contract that says you're not allowed to sell it. That's why you see other awards at like pawn shops and stuff and they hand them off. You have to offer to sell it back to them if you're going to sell it first. It's part of the contract. What? Wait, are you that's different than other awards? Like are you telling me that my parents could have sold my first grade soccer award participation? Uh well they weren't they, contractually well, <laughs> obligated to keep that forever because they love me. Well, they did have to buy it for you. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. Yeah. They just got a blank. <laughs> yeah, Travis, you were you were playing soccer. <laughs> Good job, dude. I think I think it was contractually they're contractually obligated to keep it because they love me like a baby boy. They definitely <laughs> love you. We know that. The beginning of the hospital, uh, the the filming of hospital was rough started just before the Oscars, shooting in New York. Scott missed the first day and showed up on the second day too drunk to do anything. And as I mentioned, it does suit the character of being drunk, so he could probably pass it off as like, I'm trying this character acting bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor was an eerie reflection of his life. Eh, we kind of covered that. Ba -ba 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 -ba. All right. Uh, he actually did get nominated for his role in hospital the year later so the academy either is rubbing it in or doing something dumb we don't know those people are uh, an evil cult and let's serious. try it again maybe if we invite him a second time he'll he'll get forgive us <laughs> yeah yeah it's honestly not that great of a performance too i feel like i never heard of this movie i don't know why they gave me a, a nomination Moving on, I, Scott. I feel like that's that's all the Oscar nominees. I feel like you just like, what is this movie? No one's seen it. It's because they've given them the most amount of presence in Hollywood. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Scott was hot at the time. All right, everyone wants to work with him, which afforded him some nice flexibility. Scott then directed a feature called Rage, and was super efficient. Now Hollywood hadn't seen anything like this. He's directing a film, they're a week ahead of schedule, they're under budget, and he knew every single shot 
that needed to be taken for the movie. So he storyboarded it himself. People don't do that anymore. It's very atypical. And of course, in typical Scott fashion, he saw the project all the way through to the end and then during the editing sequence, left the project because he got in a fight with the producers. <laughs> oh, just, producers. It's his own passion project. I mean, it's called Rage. So obviously he has a vested interest in making it go well. <laughs> of course. I, I, yeah. I'm sure it would have been good if he finished it. Because he he had an eye, guys. Come on. Well, I'm just saying he's not making a movie correctly. You're supposed to go over budget. You can't set up any shots. You just need to follow the actors around. You have to let them perform. You have to let them do your thing. The camera is just a lens to view the 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 stars. I hate actors. Yeah, I hate <laughs> all of them. I just can't wait till movies are just made with Android people, because then you can actually tell them to do the right thing. Yeah, for once. Stand here. <laughs> it's called blocking. I bet you there are yeah. people who work in Hollywood full-time who have never heard of blocking. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I deal with people, not Hollywood, but I deal with people in, you know, film and advertising that know absolutely no terms. And they make way more money than I do. Can we what kill is them? a frame? Let's kill them. <laughs> yeah. If anyone knows these people, let me know, and I'll let someone else know. And we'll see how far we get. But um, let's just take their money and kill them. They can <sighs> just hang out with Harvey. All of, all of Hollywood, I'm talking about. Later <laughs> that year, oh, no, back a bit. 1972, Dewars and Scott divorce again. Scott, Second time's a charm. That's what they always say. Oh, yeah. Scott needing to hand over everything talking the farm i'm talking about a a real nice settlement i mean doers had a great career going for herself didn't really need it scott was paying a lot later that year he married trish vanderveer his fourth <laughs> wife of his fifth marriage this was followed by a string of films that we do not need to cover do you do you think she was part of the van dutch uh lineage Vandervoo, Vandervoo, what was her name? Yeah, Trucker Hats. Yeah. She from, came from a long line of men that drove trucks. Before they had trucks, they drove, they rode around on oxes, and they wore <laughs> these hats where their heads could breathe. Heads could feel the air with the mountains. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good pitch. Yeah. He did get back at, at at me, Van Dutch, dude. I'm about to be your new ad agency right here. That that company can't be real anymore. Oh, they're very real. Are they? I don't know. <laughs> wow. I haven't seen him around in a while. It's like what LFO LFO said. I like girls that wear Van Dutch. But that's the kind of hat. Um, that's the kind of hat that like dudes wear. When women should actually protect themselves, you know, like the kind of hat that's like, oh, if I don't act quickly enough, that guy's fingers are going to be in my ass. Yeah. Or his his knuckles are going to be on my face. So maybe George C. Scott's wearing the Van Dutch. Maybe. Look, all this shit about him beating the hell out of women and punching people. That's not nearly as much of a disgrace as him wearing a Van Dutch hat. Now, I have to get back to the street. <laughs> okay. 
He did get back into stage performing, and his hate for live audiences hit an all-time high. <laughs> Multiple times, he would stop a show and yell at someone in the audience for taking pictures. He even left the stage and charged a woman who didn't know it was impolite to take photos. The ushers intercepted Scott and defused the situation. <laughs> that that actually happened to me when I saw the Blue Men group. They always say it's a family-friendly event, but those Blue Men, they take their craft very serious. Dude. Charged me. I was in the fourth row com coming at me with drumsticks. How dare you? <laughs> Are you sure oh, he that was a blue he man? Didn't, he didn't, no, he didn't say anything because he's a blue man. But you know, you could see it in his eyes. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure that was the blue man group? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you in a bowling alley? <laughs> <laughs> I was at a tool show. <laughs> now, Tom, you're saying that he hates live audiences, but he mm -hmm. also hated dealing with producers and directors. So. What, what do you think he really wanted to act in? <laughs> I I think he wanted to act for his peers in small stage performances. That would be the best case scenario for himself. All right. Venues of like 300 people's tops, and they're all real big play buffs. That's who he so wants he to show off for. Lots of thespians. That's yeah. all he wants. I mean, the woman that he charged was from like Kansas and... They were in Broadway. It was like her first time being in a city. Oh. So she was, she, yes, she was an idiot, but like, did you have to charge her? I think he could have won up there. I think he could have shot her. <laughs> <laughs> he should be performing behind um, like the triple thick glass that uh, convenience stores have in bad neighborhoods. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm putting she this up for watch, me, damn it. Yeah. Watch the actor perform. Do not engage in eye contact. Do not feed the actor. <laughs> I, it's a good idea. No surprise, drinking season was in. At one point, he visited his old hometown that now... Wait. Old... <laughs> the hell did I just say? He visited his old home that he uh, had to give to Dewhurst over there, and he was hammered. I'm mad about some shit. We don't know what. But he comes driving up the old long driveway there. And I runs up to Colleen and her friend who are sitting on the porch. And he's so blind drunk that uh, he starts strangling the friend, thinking it's oh. Colleen. <laughs> and eventually left. I don't think uh. she, she's alive. So that's all I got. This is just so horrible on so many levels. <laughs> There, there comes a point where, like, standing in line in the DMV is horrible to me. This is good. This is very good for us. This is good for our show. This is good for our audience. We don't care about these people. We shouldn't. We have too much going on. Oh, that kind of that kind of reminds me of going back to your your show, your episode on Agrippina, Connor, where what the guy on the boat just like. Starts bludgeoning oh, yeah, Agrippina's friend. I'm, I'm Agrippina. Like, That's yeah. the one we gotta kill. <laughs> it's like I'm your wife, George. I gotta punch you. <laughs> Scott and Vanderveer were now living in an isolation in Greenwich, Connecticut. Scott refused to have a phone in the house, 
in order to reach him. Uh, so in order to reach him, people would have to contact his agent, Jane DC, who would call the servant in their Greenwich mansion, Greenwich Greenwich mansion, who would then leave a note on the kitchen counter. So good chain of command there. I think it should be called Greenwich, personally. It's more like a sandwich. I See, the problem is, is that when I read, that's when I stumble. I have to look at this and go, I remember. Yeah. If you like see Connecticut after it, it almost like makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, but, but I'm just saying that if you eat like a sandwich that has any type of vegetable on it, it should just be called a Greenwich. What about like a, so you have a, a vegetable uh, sandwich? You know, like a cheeseburger sandwich and you put lettuce on it. Now it's a Greenwich. It's <laughs> good. Sounds good. Actually, I might pick one of those up on the it's way. Clever. Home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I'm bulking. <laughs> the house became what? violent. Both had polarizing political ideas. Uh, Scott being a staunch Republican, or not, I wouldn't say staunch Republican, but he was conservative. And uh, Van Devere being a woman. So <laughs> she would throw tantrums and they would scuffle. See, the thing is that Van Devere, she would hold her own. Uh, you know, he'd he'd give her a quick sock in the nose, and she would go to scratch his eyes out. Do do you think he probably? I mean, this is the same time period, roughly as Sean Connery, and in that famous interview that he had with who was it? Like Barbara Barbara Walters. Walters. Barbara Walters, and he's like, "Well, you know, sometimes you just need to hit a woman when she's not listening." Would this would be a standpoint that uh, him and uh, John C. Scott would get along well, right? He might elaborate. Sometimes you have to hit them when they're listening too much. <laughs> there are many more reasons, Sean. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Expand sometimes, your horizons. Sometimes when they look at you weird, you got to trip them. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they're down, you got to kick them and, and ask them if it hurts. <laughs> Jeez. Sean Jeez, Connery George, that's like, a little bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sean, this is what we do in America. I don't know what you do with your dresses in Scotland. But we're out here punching women until they're in order. <laughs> it's all true, actually. <laughs> Everything I said. That was a recorded, uh, you know, conversation yeah. between the two. That wasn't an impression. That was high fidelity spying. Uh, look, look, guys, where are we now? Oh, yeah. Scott's controlling nature took over when he came across the script called The Savage is Loose. <laughs> Not only was he going to direct again, but everything was going to be in control. Even the distribution and movie posters, no interference. He was going to star and direct in this, and he lost weight for this island-stranded character by eating only spinach, eggs, and grapefruit, and upped his smoking to two packs before (laughs) noon. It's important. When you're stranded on an island, you're definitely going to be going through like at least a carton a day. I like to think he was also eating it in a slushy. Like he would just like put twelve scrambled eggs, a bag of spinach, and a full grapefruit unpeeled into a blender. Why not some cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna taste delicious. <laughs> it's for a love of cinema. So look. I wonder if I wonder if uh, Tom Hanks adopted the same diet when he did Castaway with the Wilson golf ball uh, volleyball. He should have. Could have lost a lot more weight, been convincing. Yeah. He really wasn't that convincing. He looked like he was eating craft services through most of it. 
Now, he shows up every day for this film, even though he had dysentery. Um, one thing to note about the film is that any day he went over schedule would cost him 10K of his own money. And uh, his young wife co-star was getting on his nerves terribly. Now, he's directing it, and she's going to him, Judge, what's my motivation here? So George is like, probably wants to bury her in the sand as motivation. Yeah. Because he That's hates motivation. He hated actors who talk to directors about motivation. He's like, didn't you read the script? How many ways can you do this? It's not that fucking hard, you know? No. People who ask for motivation are stupid. Actors just, are stupid. Just act. Yeah. Yeah. Get out there. Well, I'm like, Tom, that's why I support government-funded movies, because you have to act. You have to read the exact words, or else the man with the Klashnikov will put a bullet in your skull. That's motivation, but that's, that's not... That's motivation. That's, that's not the size motivation. That's not scene yeah. to scene. You're not holding up production for that. No, I know. You just read the goddamn lines, you stupid monkey. Stupid monkey actor. Yeah. Little monkey tiny hat on there, and I'm I'm the man playing the hurdy-gurdy, and now you're going to dance for me, little monkey actor boy. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd watch that. So, look, guys, you have this film. I keep saying, so look tonight. Like, uh, what is this? Was it a common George C. E. Scott thing? Did he say look a lot? Maybe. Maybe something. I was... Anyway, the film comes out, and initially it breaks even. But then George C. Scott is angry at the MPAA for giving him an R rating. Mm. Now, they gave him an R rating because it deals with the taboo subject of incest. Ugh. So there, Only they saw the future. It doesn't. Yeah, they did. But it doesn't show any incest. It, it just implies it. It's, it's very, uh, I don't know. It, it's like the film was pretty milquetoast, to be honest. No, like no one who read the film was like, this is going to be amazing. And uh, it's not that lewd or anything. And it was shot. He shot it to get a PG, but they gave it the the P, the R rating anyway, which cuts his audience members down by a whole bunch. So he goes on this whole tirade, taking out um, ads and newspapers, talking shit about the MPAA, which I think is a great idea. But you should never do it with your own money because he ends up being down two million oh. after these ad campaigns. Wait, so why are they going after his movie, but they're not going after The Lion King? Because they all came from the same pride in that movie. Right. That well, a lot of incest. There are a lot of people who hate the MPAA because they, they're they in the pockets of big studios. Yeah. Well, like, all I'm just saying is any of you people that just can't wait to be king, you're watching cousins and sisters nail each other and their cats. It's disgusting. It's the circle of life, dude. Yo, what am I, Timon, Pumbus, Elton John here? No. Well, have, this is a bit of a tangent, but have you ever seen the movie The Little Giants? Because that's almost worse in this. Wait, what, what's bad about The Little Giants? So at the very end, the two, the guy and girl adults, uh, um, I forget the guy, the actor's name, the glasses, who's in Honey Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis. Yeah, Rick oh, Moranis' yeah. character and his love interest get together, and then it's his daughter and his love interest's son that are getting together all at the same time at the end of the movie. Oh, wow. so it's a Pornhub so ending. Yeah, they predicted the future of Pornhub. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right. 
That's uh they should have no really one, not. No one ever was like, we should just rewrite it so that like they're not getting like one of these couples is from a different parent. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh wow, that's bad. How do they miss that? I don't know. Well, you know what they could do? The kids could one up them. They could go take a flight to India real quick and get one of those child marriages together. And then they'd be like, well, you're the creepy ones now. You're our step parents. Yeah. (laughs) Tom, are you secretly riding little giants too? Super giants? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Little giants. Little giants in Florida. (laughs) I limbo (laughs) it. So, look, he goes into... Here's my look again. I don't know what's... Anyway, I, I guess I'll point it out. Excuse me. Yeah, look here, Tom. <sighs> the next movie he worked on was The Hindenburg. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, he went into that one like his main character, publicly swearing this would be his last feature. That movie's terrible. It's on YouTube for free. <laughs> yo, it's Air Titanic, yo. It's not Food Fight. It's not that bad. Well, dude, you can't never let me go when I'm on a Zeppelin because, you know, you're just going to fall to Earth really fast. Get blowed up. And blowed up. That's sick. (laughs) Scott then directed his wife in the Eugene O'Neill 1924 racial commentary play, All God's Chillin' Got Wings. <laughs> now, I know you guys remember that from last time. Oh, that was I think the only thing I remembered from the last yeah. one because it just it was so clear in my brain for the rest of the episode. And yeah. it, it I wasn't thinking it this time, but I thought it last time and it's worth mentioning is when you first said it, I the way you said it made me think that it was written all God's chillin' colon got wings question mark <laughs> yeah like the chicken like the chicken industry's uh response to got milk yeah the got poultry wings? industry got got wings or or the pedophile conventions uh response to hooters <laughs> <laughs> so this was a de- disaster of a production van devere she was uh she was giving Scott a lot of shit because he was micromanaging. She was his wife. That's not a good conversation ever. Um, the movie, oh, no, it's not a movie, it was a play. Total flop. It was way, way too late. It was 40 years later that they were doing this film. No, it's 50 years later that they're doing this film when, uh, yes, there was still some racial commentaries to be made, but uh, it, was, it was just out of place. Mm. Um, Scott then acted as Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman for a short run and immediately after suffered a heart attack. Oh, shit. After a brief recovery, he prepared for a Hemingway adaptation. All while talking about retiring. So he's definitely one of those people, like sportsmen or actors, that are just like, I'm retiring. Fuck it. This is my last one. I just keep coming back for more. Yeah, but he actually needed to because the thing is with Scott is that he put his money where his mouth was way too many times. He right. was broke. Yeah, like, too many anti-Oscar campaigns. Yeah, they really bankrupt you. The anti-Oscars. <laughs> yeah, the, he think about it. He just did that one where he put up a bunch of money. Uh, the Savage is loose. He is deep in the hole. Um, so it's no way. I think he got paid. This was Hindenburg was the first movie he got a million dollars for, and it still didn't cover all of his bases. 
this guy is in a lot of debt. So he took he some roles that he regretted. In 1977, at the age of 50, Scott was slowing down a bit. He started trading, started. He traded in his favorite game of softball for golf, but not without the immense rage. <laughs> Christopher Lee recalls spending a day golfing with the Scott. And uh, Scott was hammered, of course. And at one point, he took a bad swing and uh, just threw his club into the woods. Now, this is out anything that we haven't seen in the Simpsons. Not a big deal, but this is the kind of golfer he was constantly. So I think the other guys in the club didn't like him so much. So it went through a lot of Putmans, a lot of Irons, a lot of number nines, a lot of Arnold Palmer iced teas. Yeah, this isn't helping his debt. He's buying two bags of clubs at a time to make up for all the ones he's thrown into the woods. Sure does add up. (laughs) Yep. Maybe maybe he had a sponsorship from Callaway. That's right. I was thinking about reaching out to Callaway to make some heels with them. Me and Gab had some pretty cool ideas, some real long spikes. A Callaway Hot Topic crossover. Uh, I think those two groups of demographics have never crossed over before. Yeah, but (laughs) mall goths and uh, golf country club people. Yeah, but uh, the mall goths (laughs) are entirely funded by the Callaway golf people. That's true. Well, you know, <laughs> whenever you see a, a mall goth with very long spikes, they have a dad. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's funny you mentioned that it was Christopher Lee golfing with him, because I'm wondering if Christopher Lee is like one of the only people he'd be jealous of, because not only is he a great actor, but also he got to serve in the war, whereas George C. Scott missed both of his wars. Yeah, that's He's a probably, good point. Probably really liked Chris. <laughs> He may have liked him, but like he used the term English f- a lot, just casually for yeah, anybody, constantly. So I maybe he, maybe not. Yeah, maybe he just didn't. He may have liked Christopher Lee, but not jealous of the fact that he was British and that he was mm. a vampire a bunch of times because he thought Fair horror enough. was kind of dumb, which he will yeah. change his tune later. But <laughs> okay, at this time the alcohol intake was directly correlated to the role that Scott was playing. If the role was lighthearted, like the parody movie, Movie Movie, he was relatively dry. (laughs) On the other hand, when he acted in the movie Hardcore, a gritty porno-themed mystery starring Richard Pryor and Harvey Keitel, Scott would down a whole bunch at lunch. Ooh. Two perfectly named movies also. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. While filming Hardcore... He would disappear on benders for weeks at a time, once holding up the show for a whole day where there's one shot that Scott had to do. He had to walk into a bar, say two words, and leave the bar. That's the kind of thing that you hired Scott to do. If you had a lot of those things, because you knew he was going to hit it every time. While they were setting up for the shot, Scott slipped into the trailer, then slipped out of his clothes, down a bottle of vodka. When the director went to fetch him from the trailer, Scott greeted him with, this movie is a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, that would be me if I was on the set of any Marvel movie. I wish I was Chris Hemsworth and I just walk around saying this movie's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, why can't I be in the uh, Dustin Hoffman is a toy guy one? <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that movie... Recently, something dumb. 
Oh, it's like him pretending to be Willy Wonka, but for toys or something. It's it is. Yeah, it was one a stupid of movie. The worst movies I ever saw, which is really unfortunate because that's like what kids are given. Be like, hey, look at look what your imagination can do. Worst right, than Food I, Fight. No, I was gonna say the contrast between it's that close. movie and Food Fight. You know, it's night and day. I, all right, Travis, I see your bit. <laughs> I'm gonna raise you. <laughs> We're going to figure out the next movie night, too, and you have to be there this time. All right. All right. I'll teach you you guys about cinemas. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You you don't get to teach anyone about cinema (laughs) moving forward. (laughs) December 1978 started filming The Changeling, a paranormal horror. Scott previously poo-pooed the horror genre. And this film wasn't without its problems on set. One of the biggest ones being a massive staged fire that got out of hand and started a huge forest fire in British Columbia. Mm. Mm. This movie's fucking tight, though. Watch this movie. It's George C. Scott. He's upset. He moves into a house. Ghost boy. Sounds like the story of my life. The story of my life. Are you a horror guy, Connor? Never been. I love watching horror movie trailers and then reading the full synopsis on Wikipedia. Hmm. Not a fan of the actual movies. Okay. Well, many of them are very bad. Yeah, I think they are. (laughs) I don't blame you. Next up was the uh, the fun formula. I don't know why I called the fun formula. It's just called the formula. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. I woke up. Wait, is that is that the name of the movie, the fun formula? It, you know what? We're gonna call it the fun formula. It's All just right. called the formula. I thought you were saying like he's back on the fun formula of making a comedy, so that's why he's not drinking. Uh, no, you know what? I, I I'm losing it now because I already this is like a weird deja vu thing, and I've been up for so many hours today. Guys, he does a film called The Formula co-starring Hollywood insane person Marlon Brando. Ooh, we roasted that bitch a long, long time ago. Man, eating frogs and ice cream alone on a lake. Marlo. (laughs) Eating live frogs. I fucking love Brando. He's so fun. He's one of the funnest in Hollywood. Let's see. So Scott was an admirer of Brando, but he hated working with him. Apparently, day one, Scott's performances were methodical, rehearsed, executed nearly the same every time, as we mentioned. Brando, on the other hand, refused to memorize lines. He improvised all the time. He stopped shots to talk about motivation with the director way too often. He's a nightmare person. That's why he's fun. I... I never want to. I honestly never want to watch a Brando movie again because I like Scott too much. Well, I mean, Scott would have appreciated the time when Brando had was working with Sinatra and he had him redo the take of him eating a piece of cheesecake about like fifty <laughs> times until Sinatra walked off the set. He was like, "What the fuck's with this guy?" He's like eating up the piece, and then they'd bring out a new cheesecake. He'd eat another piece. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And he did it just to piss off Sinatra because he knew that Sinatra was like Sinatra apparently was like um, scum Scott. Well, he was like Scott, too. He's like, we just do it and we're done. You know, well, Sinatra 
yeah, he was a talented actor, but he was not like a serious actor. No, no. He was yeah. a singer, and people just liked the way he looked. Right. He's like, um, coming next year, uh, Justin Bieber is going to be the next big movie actor star. It's terrible. He's the next James Bond. The yeah, new can- Canadian Bond. It's Canadian Bieber? Yeah. Yeah, Canuck Bond. Double O Bieber. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, can I get you a cocktail, sir? Yeah, I'll take a Molson Triple X, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> I love when the can explodes in my face. <laughs> Thanks, and, and please and thank you. That's all, you know, all those. <laughs> so, uh, literally a Canadian tuxedo. That would be fun. Maybe we should pitch that. <laughs> Canadian <laughs> Bond. And like the the theme song is done in with like an accordion, like the French Canadians, like <laughs> excuse me, ma'am, pardon me, sir. <laughs> the Bond girl is just wearing like extremely puffy winter jacket and clothes and like a ski mask hat. No, can't see anything. <laughs> the Bond girl is just a moose. <laughs> Brando only had a few scenes in this film, and he was off set pretty quick. Uh, he probably would have not survived, or Brando not survived, had he been on that long. I think Scott would have murdered this guy. Probably Scott, could have gone down as justified, though. You know, pro- probably. Could argue your way out of it. I think a lot of people who worked with Brando wanted him dead anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, from what I remember, I mean, it's so long ago when we did that one, but I remember, I think Brando could put up a pretty good fight. He was uh, not good. like Scott. Not like Scott. No, there's no blind drunken rage, but you know. <laughs> no, and also Brando was had a few years on him at this point. Yeah. Scott had already peaked, but man, he could still toss a punch. Scott also had the leading lady, Dominique Sanda, replaced because he couldn't understand her accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> He was quite the headache for the rest of the film. First day in a new location in Switzerland, Scott showed up and told the director, John G. Alvidson, I want to drink today. I'm not working. I'm going to the bar. <laughs> he did just that. All right. Bless this man. All right. Can't, can't argue with you now, I guess. <laughs> I want to do that one day in my career. Like, I'll take the personal day. But I would love to say to my boss, I want to drink today. Like that yeah. specifically, and not on a Friday, like on a Tuesday. Yeah, and then still show up to work Wednesday. Yeah, to prove that it was like no, it was just about yesterday. Yesterday, I, I wanted, I needed to stay home and drink. All right? Exactly. One it's night, called, it's called uh, nowadays. It's called self care. Yeah. George, George C. Scott was big into self care or yeah. self harm. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's go with care. Here he yeah. is caring for himself. Yeah, he's calling out of work. Yeah. yeah. Here's here's someone else calling on his behalf. One night, Alvidson, the director, gets a call from Trish, hysterically sa- <laughs> saying that Scott had a gun and was going to kill himself. Alvidson rushed to the hotel where Scott stood in a bathrobe, bottle of vodka in one hand and 45 to his temple in the other. Scott told Alvidson to give him one reason not to kill himself, to which Alvidson replied, because you have 6.30 call. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to have to find another actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Scott burst into laughter. Alvinson took the gun away, threw it out the window like a smart guy, gave it to someone, charity, and <laughs> Scott went to bed. Never happened again. Do you think he got up in time for the 6.30 call? Yeah, he was a pro at that, just All like right. Reed. Those two, something they both have in common. They were always at call unless they intentionally weren't trying to be. There was no like what? hangover. Like There was no I'm too hungover. There might be yeah. a bad thing, like, I'm still drunk, and I'm, I'm choosing I'm not to go. It. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it was very obvious. Like, someone would call and find out. But, uh, yeah, nine out of ten times, he was just there. Um, I mean, do you, I feel like I feel like uh, more actors need to show up to set loaded. I feel like there's too much health and safety going on now. You know? The amount of sober people in Hollywood and in music Ugh. makes me Ugh. fucking sick. They Look, love talking I mean, about it. I mean, who's playing Spider-Man now? What, Tom Holland? Is that the Spider-Man? Yeah. Dude, just get drunk and go go do Spider-Man. He'd be a good blowhead. Is that a term? <laughs> Give him some blow. Forever. <laughs> get him that pure shit. See what happens. See what kind of performance you get out of him. But no, Heath Ledger did it, so now we can't do it. Dude, he was so serious, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think so Johnny serious. Johnny Depp still does plenty of cocaine and drugs. So he's a good guy. He hasn't made a movie a good movie in a long time. No, because he's busy doing think drugs. Pirates of the Caribbean number 11 was any good? Oh, I, I liked Pirates, the one you got at the adult film shop. That was when it peaked, when the series peaked. The one with Jonathan Sims in the lead mm-hmm. role? It's actually Evan Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I know that because Ray Miguel told me. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Scott Vandeveer co-starred in a disaster of a play called Tricks of the Trades that closed after one night. The reviews were so bad, putting Scott in such a mood that during the after party, he chased around some random stranger in the theater for no reason, threatening to beat the shit out of him. And luckily, he had just passed 50, so he couldn't keep up with the slightly younger stranger. Well, maybe the stranger looked like his current wife, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to beat him. I got to exercise these thumbs on a windpipe. <laughs> Honey, where are you? I'm going to trickle. I'm going to tickle your trach. Uh, luckily for him, he had two nice financial bumps after this with the TV movie Oliver Twist and the, uh, wait, was it Oliver Twist? Did he play Oliver Twist? <laughs> At 53 years old. <laughs> I, honestly yeah. think, I honestly think I wrote in the wrong Dickens thing. It's, uh, I know he did. Um, oh, was it Scrooge? Yeah, was he did it, uh, Scrooge. Christmas Carol? He, I know he did that. Maybe he did an Oliver Twist too. I know. He also did Taps, starring Tom Cruise. In the early 80s, um, he wanted to take on Patton again. In the last days of Patton's TV movie. I can't get over this one. This this and the... Uh, um, yeah, this was another thing I couldn't stop thinking about. This and the children got wings stuff. The children got wings. Oh, God's children got wings. There's Patton- no accent there. Patton died in a horrible car accident like a week after the war ended <laughs> and he had already done a biopic where it goes up to the war ending. Yeah. <laughs> the movie 
is a series of flashbacks embedded in Scott in bed after a car accident. He <laughs> survived a car accident for like 12 days or something like that. Yeah, um, and he was just in horrible agony the whole time. It's terrible. It's, this sounds like a fun film. This sounds, <laughs> sounds real fun. Let that, me do some real acting. I'm going to be writhing around in pain. It's weird, too, because like the first patent is this major production through Fox. I think they shot it with British standards, so it's like, I think it's a 25 frame rate. Pal. Yeah. So it looks weird, too. Like, movies, I don't know. Stupid. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I, I had a question for you. Since we're back at Patton, if you guys, since we do this show, if you guys had to do a biopic on anyone in history, who'd you pick? Like, I'm playing the person? Yeah. I feel like I don't look like anyone in history, so... You don't have to look. I was going to say Louis Armstrong, but I don't want to be like Julia Roberts. <laughs> well, I was going to say Tom should go for Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I'd do it. I'd one-up her. Yeah, take over Julia Roberts' role. But I would get around blackface by having mocap. Mm. So I'd play a little, like, VeggieTales-looking uh, <laughs> Harriet Tubman. Harry Tubman. Something like that. You know, use your imagination. I can't. I don't know. I think I've, I would love to do Dan Sickles then, if it doesn't matter. Just let me be Dan for a day. He's a great guy. <laughs> Get to wear yeah. a nice Civil War outfit. Learn how to use uh, a peg leg. That'd be fun acting. <laughs> yeah, you'd have the like prosthetic going on, right? They had to dress yeah. you up. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Travis, who would you do? I would probably do... I had to be anyone in history. I don't want to just be like Ben Franklin being a piece of shit and getting drunk. It's awesome. <laughs> just in France. Ben Franklin in France. Just the French years. Yeah, just the French years when he's old and fat and just eats food <laughs> and fucks. It's awesome. That would be a lot of fun to shoot. Mm -hmm. You get HBO to make it. Do a miniseries where you can see a different set of boobs every time. Yeah. yeah, it could be every episode you get a different set of uh, French boobs. That's awesome. You should be real progressive, though, and hang dong in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could use a fake dong. No, I, no. this is I'll cinema, Tom. It's authentic. I mean, I would use a fake one to not embarrass people. It's not the size, it's the two heads. <laughs> it's the multi-directional, <laughs> multi-dimensional experience. It's the Ouroboros of it all. <laughs> Yes, oh, that's Tom. French they're speaking. Tom, uh, you know who I think you would do great is that Brinkley guy. He's making goat nuts. Oh. Christy Brinkley, the supermodel? Christy Brinkley, the supermodel. No, jo yeah. uh, John R. Brinkley, the doctor who would slice men's nut sacks open and put goat testicle in there. I remember you mentioned him another time. One of my finest subjects. My God, that was so much fun. Maybe I will do another history one. Maybe we should just do. Maybe we should do a roast mortem movie, even though that would be a waste of money on the uh, the Collier brothers. We can all play a different brother uh, in the house. Yeah, you guys <laughs> could be the two brothers, and I'll be filth, <laughs> <laughs> like an old like medieval morality play where you just wear a bag that just says filth, and you're just the human <laughs> representation of filth. Yeah, standing still and occasionally knocking shit over. Yeah, hovering over <laughs> us. Like a vampire. He and Vandeveer, his uh, fifth wife, or fourth wife through fifth marriage, they were now officially sick of each other, so they split. 
Scott pursued his college sweetheart again, Truesdale, Catherine Truesdale, I believe, who had just divorced her second husband. He visited her in Seattle and asked her to marry him. She agreed, but that never happened. Probably smart. He directed and starred in a play called Present Laughter, in which he swore off booze for the run of the play, which lasted for about five weeks till he went on a week-long bender, and uh, he missed every show that week. Surprise, surprise. Have a good time. Uh, Though not married, Truesdale spent a lot of time with Scott, as if they were, along with their daughter. Remember, they had a daughter from the first episode, uh, Mm. Mary. Scott was shitty as ever, drinking and berating. He became one of those gun-under-the-pillow guys. Uh, He was loving and kind when sober and became an evil drunk, chasing Truesdale all over the house. And Truesdale... Uh, she was no Vanderveer. She didn't like putting up the fight. She wasn't poking his eyes out for fun like right. Vanderveer was. Right, and he had taken up the hobby of like punching via lance out of a car. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. That's awesome. Just consensual lancings. Imagine him going to a PTA meeting and just strangling other parents. <laughs> um, this is probably why he didn't have anything to do with his kids. Probably for the best. Yeah, I think so. Truesdale and her daughter Michelle joined Scott in China for the filming of China Rose. The trip was disastrous. Michelle, uh, she seemed kind of annoying. In the book, she kept like pestering him, and his accounts were like, she was so needy. She had no direction. She kept at wanting to be around me. <laughs> uh, Do you think he had choice words about chopsticks? Dude. He He's probably the dictionary of racial epitaphs that I want to know <laughs> for fun. Learn all about the ones research. that have been phased out completely, like never made it into the history. <laughs> yeah. Things that I couldn't be aware of in my timeline. He probably like researched that alone for roles. Of course, <laughs> the same way I do history. Here we are. So Michelle seems kind of annoying. And after some time, Scott told them both to leave. His agent gave Truesdale a deck for 5K. A deck. A check. I was thinking Mike. Skate check. Deck. Um, gives him 5K. They never see each other again. While trying to raise funds for his patent sequel, Scott finagled his way into the Oscar ceremony. You see, he needed to get these funds by rubbing elbows with the meat parade he once lambasted. Mm. Smart. Now he's joining the meat parade. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just do it for business. I think it's funny, too, because he shows up there and he's like, yeah, I'll I'll pick up my award later. Thanks. I didn't forget about that from 20 years ago. (laughs) Oh, Hollywood. Love it. In 1983, he filmed Firestarter with baby Drew Barrymore. Very weird movie. Very strange. Was this the music video for the Prodigy song? What is the Firestarter one? Is that the one? I'm the Firestarter. Twisted Firestarter. I know the words. It's always just whatever you just said is the title. That's yeah. every Prodigy song. <laughs> it's, I think it's the one where they're in the sewer. Oh, uh, the sewer one. Okay, I like yeah. the sewer one. Yeah. A lot of plays Which on I feel YouTube. like it's most of their videos. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, the Prodigy. So much fun with dancing and other things that go with dancing. Uh, look, weird role for Scott. Okay, Scott was a Native American hitman named John Rainbird. We have to assume this is inspiration for John Redcorn. 
<laughs> Scott did the role. Uh, he did it for the money. <laughs> he dismissed the film as one of those half-assed sci-fi Stephen King things. An agreeable sentiment. He was kind of in red face. Not as awful as Trudeau did it. He just like, one feather sticking out of his hair. <laughs> I think, yeah, there was. A, he had a ponytail and like <laughs> he had this like one eye that was supposed to have a contact. But halfway through filming, it gets infected. So they just like starts wearing an eye patch out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining like he has a ponytail and a bolo tie. And that's all. That it is. I, I think it is a bolo tie. A turquoise bolo <laughs> tie. So Native American. <laughs> and that's all he's wearing. Just that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's not really a good movie. I really like the lead actor who plays Drew Barrymore's dad. He's in this. I forget his name, but he's in this movie called White of the Eye. Really good horror movie. Mm. Um, nothing to do with George C. Scott. So I'm gonna get back onto this. Well, I was to say that's like when uh, Sean Connery returned as Bond, and he became Japanese Sean Connery. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right, so I've just come across the point in my script where I realized before I made a lot of confusing statements. He did, in fact, do an Oliver Twist movie, and this is when he does the Scrooge movie in the mm. 80s. And then he did <sighs> Mussolini <laughs> in a three-part series for some, some television network. Uh, he was concerned that he had too much Anglo in him to do the Mediterranean role. <laughs> No, very vocal he about that. Looks exactly like Mussolini. It's all it's kind of uncanny. Just yeah. when you like see him in a passing glance and then look at a Mussolini picture. It, it it's kind of like he's trying to write off his likeness. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm really English. I know they like this guy. <laughs> just like I don't have a fiery personality at all. I swear. I, English. I, stiff upper lip. <laughs> I mean, I also see him saying things like, uh, like spaghetti and meatballs is exotic. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or one of these people who call every type of noodle spaghetti. Yeah. Which is fun. I or like people that. that. Or people that don't say mozzarella, they say mozzarella. Even though it's the rest of it is just regular American English. <laughs> All the Tonys and Antonys of Long Island. Yeah. Antony. A month after Mussolini was filmed, he was back at getting funds and organizing Patton, the last days of Patton. Uh, this movie, as I mentioned, is terrible. It's for free on Amazon if you want to torture yourself. Most of his work after here was overlooked plays, TV appearances, and a weekly show called Mr. President and commercials, which paid the most. Tom, I got to ask. I, I know that you did this research when you were recovering from uh, your surgery. Did you watch all of these heinous movies? I watched a bunch of them. I couldn't make it through last uh, last days of patent. I couldn't. It was just do that. too bad. It was really bad. <laughs> okay. I watched a bunch. I know I watched Hospital, Strange Love, Changeling. One I'm going to mention in a bit. Right, because it seems like you've been mentioning like he's got greats, but then he's also got like real stinkers. real big stinkers. But everyone yeah. does that. Like that's yeah, that's not irregular. You know, no one. You just need a few good ones, and then people go, "What a great guy he did." Yeah, unless if you're Daniel Day Lewis, and then you only do great ones. 
Well, his, you know, he does one movie every six years. Also, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> I did watch his last one, The Phantom Thread. Now that guy, do you see that one? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about it then, because it's good. I I say I think it's good. The guy's a freak. Maybe not in bed, but everywhere else. Hmm. Uh, so Scott suffered a second heart attack the week Mr. President was supposed to film its final episode in 1988. I I don't know. I didn't watch this Mr. President, but uh, it looked pretty bad. No East Side, West Side. East Side, West Side. That was the thing I watched a few episodes of. Check that out. That's on YouTube because it's a CBS series and uh, they don't they don't care to run anymore. The IRS started bugging Scott over his shady, or as I like to refer to it, his heroic and patriotic accounting and spending. The criminal organization known as the IRS pestered him for several investments, <laughs> including the herd of, <laughs> including investing in a herd of dairy cows. <laughs> Yo, that's how you, that's the write-off. That is a classic write-off. You yeah, should be writing off da- dairy cows every single fiscal year. Well, where are the cows? Well, I don't know. I, we lost them in the woods. <laughs> That's all you <laughs> need to find them. <laughs> because they can't make you build a fence. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe just one wandered off and you collected cash on it down at the old uh, splay and trade. Is that a thing? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I took them to Burger King and they just disappeared. Mm. Scott still needed money. He was spending it faster than he could make it. This would explain his next role, and one of my favorites to watch, not not necessarily favorites for quality reasons, The Exorcist 3, 1990s The Exorcist 3. Ooh. It's one of those films that has a few acting gems by Scott and Brad Dourif, but the entire package of The Exorcist 3 is hysterical by all accounts. I'm just, I'm just going to go out and say uh, William Freakin is not good. No, he's not. We have talked. We have actually talked about him on the show before, when because we did that Father Amor- Amarth guy or what, whoever that was. Oh yeah, that was so ri- dumb. Yeah, but he's he's literally going like exorcist is real, and he made a whole documentary about this fucking stupid <laughs> exorcist priest. <laughs> uh, Friedkin is weird. If you look into him at all, he's got some weird like um, he's like hardcore Christian, but he believes he can talk to his son through a Native American channel because his son died or something, and uh. he's just off the rails, that fucking guy. And uh, his movie, The Exorcist 3, is also off the rails. Uh, I, I want to do this on a movie night. It's really funny. I watched Joe Bob do coverage of it. Man, the shit that he was saying about the film, because he, he does all of his research. He's telling you all the disastrous parts of it. My God, everything about this film is ridiculous. Especially the cameos, including Larry King, Fabio, <laughs> and Patrick Ewing. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot more than that, too. What, but, uh, what did Patrick Ewing play? The Angel of Death. <laughs> he doesn't have a speaking role. He's just playing chess or something against someone. In his mixed jersey and the knee pads, sweating profusely. You have to tune in to find out. Yeah, yeah, does he, like, dunk your soul into hell or something? Um, Maybe. We're going to watch it. How's that? <laughs> All right. We're going to watch right. this. We're going to have fun. Probably uh, not going to be as good as Food Fight, but tune in. 
I like to think that Larry King is just a announcer that's playing the role of like the chorus in Greek plays where he's talking to the audience and like commentating on the what's going on in the exorcism. Uh, honestly, <laughs> like, all right, we're bringing you live into the girl's bedroom. She, her head's turning around. She's vomiting on the priest. <laughs> so you're familiar with the first one because the third that's one what is, I'm familiar with. <laughs> the, OK, the third one is nothing like that. It's. <laughs> It's freaking losing his mind on paper and then someone letting him direct a film based on how much he's lost his mind. It's fucking crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, there are some really good parts in it, though, but they're isolated. And then they're surrounded by these retarded parts that just totally remove you from enjoying it. So we'll watch it. It'll be fun. After suffering his third heart attack, Scott calmed down a bit. He had to you know, want to live a little bit. So he actually, he did like a bit of a press tour saying how sober he was now. And, uh, it, because he wanted to live, uh, that was mm. it. Want to live. Didn't last that long. In 1994, his doctor discovered he had an aortic aneurysm, a bulging blood vessel going, uh, through one of the vein, I don't know, arteries to your brain. I don't know how that works. I'm not a science man. Mm. I have a very bulging vein sometimes, but I think it's supposed to be bulging. Yeah, that's that's a healthy vein. If it yeah. bulges for more than four hours, go see a doctor about that vein. It, it usually does. <laughs> wow. It's very awkward when I go to Trader Joe's and try to buy my bananas. And they're like, what is going on in those gym shorts? Don't worry, it's a medical thing. Bulging vein disorder. <laughs> Sir, why are you uh, why are you hanging around all those anime titty mouse pads <laughs> i got bvd bulging vein disorder yeah this to help my wrist while i'm massaging my bulging vein <laughs> he chose to do nothing about this bulging vein of his instead he uh he started drinking again and started a tv show called traps which was a cop drama and uh traps so yo is this some chris hansen ass shit Maybe. Oh. Is it, yeah, him just standing in a room when, when uh, <laughs> a pedophile's coming and goes, I bet you didn't know I was here. And he just punches <laughs> Yeah. Trap. But you didn't know that cops could show up. We've been watching your call. Also, that little girl in there has a penis. That's the trap part. <laughs> uh, he took other roles, and his health declined rather quickly. Then a publicity disaster happened for the old man. And he was trying to lighten his image at this point, too. He's trying to lighten up his image when all of a sudden a Miss Julie Wright filed a $3.1 million lawsuit against her former employer at the Devin Campbell Productions, which was Scott's operation, for sexual assault. Oh, no. She claimed under his employee he asked her to have his baby, groped her, and did sex at her Without consent. Oh. You, really? George C. Scott, the one you've been telling us all about, was accused of this? Right. There's some people that you're, like, surprised. Well, wow, you're a little scuzzy, dude, but uh, this is uh, not a shocker. What is he supposed to do? Control himself while he's drinking? You can't have it both ways, Miss Julie Wright. She looked like his wife. Yeah. <laughs> You know who you're working for, right? Someone who beats women for funsies. 
That sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, watch out. Yeah, don't don't ever become an aide for a Saudi prince is all you got to (laughs) say. Well, they do pay well. Don't play stupid. Yeah. Guys, Scott dismissed the charges. He goes, look, what are you talking about? I'm old. I don't rape. And then uh, right after, he leaves New York to go to L.A. to undergo a surgery for an unknown treatment, not the aortic problem. And according to his doctor, he was expected to die during the operation. Was was it for his bulging vein disorder? Well, no, they didn't disclose what it was. And he had publicly said that he's not going to treat the vein. Mm. Mm. So it's bad. This exaggerated point was further solidified by Scott's Malibu doctor, Jeff Harris, stating that if he had given testimony for this whole ordeal, it would kill him. Stress. Uh, Didn't I feel like I feel like I remember when the whole thing with Cosby was going on. Didn't he? I think he I think his lawyers tried to use that excuse excuse too. like, look, he's so old and he's just, you know, don't, he's at the end of his career. He's old. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Let mean, it go. It'll kill him. <laughs> Imagine those uh, those people on jury duty. He's pretty old. <laughs> pretty old guy there. I feel kind of bad. <laughs> he's just old, guys. Come on. Yeah. That one's upset. Those roof. That's what happens when you get old. You piss kidney stones, and some of those kidney stones are roofies. And they might go into a woman's drink. Yeah, they weren't roofied. They were just medicined. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's out now. It's all ancient history. I bet yeah. you he looks younger than ever now. Imagine going yeah. to jail and being like, I'm going to die here. Oh, got the sick lawyer. <laughs> what the Come hell? Out. Either way, the uh, aortic aneurysm was now six centimeters long. And it was a ticking time bomb for Scott. Scott still refused the surgery because he would have to give up drinking. After Miss Wright's lawyer publicly uh, went after Scott, the case was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount and was never talked about again in public by either party. Look, we're going to have to assume she made out on top after he did something terrible. Scott (laughs) managed to act in a couple more plays and movies, which got much more difficult as he got much more shitty. Uh, so this is when he starts taking on the remake of Cats. Cats was produced <laughs> by uh, Shakespeare. Originally. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. They were going to ask him to be Harry Potter. Oh, shit. Yeah, Do you know the, Shake- the original Shakespeare play, though? It was called Felines. And uh, it's about dancing felines. It was about cats with feline aids trying to make it in the big city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just singing and stomping and clapping. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, that might be a fun movie to watch on movie night. The cats live oh, action yeah. thing they did. That might be Dude. more disturbing than Food Fight. Yeah, we should yeah. actually test that out. <laughs> Maybe put it up for movie night, but like um we can vote out of it. <laughs> we'll take a vote at fifteen minutes. Do we want to keep this one up or do we want to go for a backup? <laughs> <laughs> on September twenty second. 1999, a year best known historically for the death of one Oliver Reed. The aortic aneurysm ruptured while he was alone at his Westlake Village, California house. He died a slow, painful death that ended with shock 
and was announced dead by the arriving ambulance. Uh, the ambulance itself actually it talked like the movie Cars. It was like he's fucking dead. <laughs> it was Jeff Fern, EMTs were like, I guess we gotta default yeah. to the car. Did yeah. you hear what the cause said? <laughs> <laughs> it's a new program they're working out. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Elon Musk ambulance. <laughs> we come pick up one dead body and it goes back to the hospital with five dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> On the hood. <laughs> uh, Scott was buried in Pierce Brothers Cemetery in an unmarked grave. He is there to this day. And uh, that's that's it. That's why, Scott part why, two. Why'd he go into an unmarked grave? Well, the family knows where he is. Uh. But they don't want people showing up. Like, he doesn't like the... He doesn't want the attention. He, he didn't want, want people throwing flowers on his shit. And didn't want Carol showing up again and be like, that man's dead penis. Actually, they may he may have done that to, so his children couldn't visit him. <laughs> ah. It would have been a continuing theme. <laughs> he only told um, the owner of the liquor store that he frequented where to visit his grave. <laughs> Listen, if only I use, only use I want visiting. <laughs> Listen, if I leave you in my will, will you pop by every week or so with a bottle of something nice? Water the flowers, so to speak. So yeah, Tom. Thanks for bringing in George C. Scott. I, you know, I think that he really kind of is the meaner, drunker, sadder Oliver Reed, American Oliver Reed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> like Oliver Reed was fun, and like you know, he's doing all these fun shit. He's getting drunk and fucked up. Like <laughs> every time it sounds like this guy gets fucked up, he's like hitting someone in the face or breaking a window or. Assault, sexually assaulting someone. <laughs> yeah, he's truly a nightmare person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said the last time, uh, reads the partier and Scott's the just the drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the drinking alone guy, and leave it that way. If there was ever a person I wished was old enough to serve in World War II, I think it's George C. Scott. Well put. Yeah, yeah. He would have gone and fight anyone. He oh, would've... that's the thing. He would have loved it. It's yeah. for his sake. That I wish he did. Instead, we got to enjoy his work. <laughs> he loved to publicly be that guy who was very pro-military. I mentioned in the first one how he was pro-Vietnam War at first, and then when he realized how dumb it was, he kind of recanted his statement on that. But when he was interviewed later in life, people would talk to him and be like, hey, uh, you, you're Patton. You know, you did Patton twice. Like, what's your relationship like with that? Well, he is an army man, and I, uh, I had some time in the Marines, though I didn't get to see combat. The big difference between me and him is that Patton didn't like the death penalty, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's weird. Okay. That's the big difference. Yeah, I saw two different interviews of him saying that same sentiment. Very strange. (laughs) I'm just imagining him just like trying to work in his support of the death penalty to every conversation (laughs) Yeah, and this is coming from a guy who's probably accidentally killed someone, and we just don't know about it. Yeah. Well, that's why he paid for their funeral. (laughs) Uh, True, true. Travis, sign us out. Uh, Thanks for listening to Roast Morm Cast. If you listen to this episode, you're like, why do we start in the middle? You should probably go back and listen to the previous episode, because that's... The two-parter. You can follow us on social media at Roast Morm Cast. It's Twitter, Instagram, 
Facebook sometimes. And you go to patreon.com slash roastwormcast if you like what we do and you want to give us a few dollars just because we're cool. And we, we do movie commentaries and stuff. Yeah, we're doing the movie nights on Discord. Join join us on Discord. I want to get yeah. a, a hundred million people in there so we start a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. We want to start lawsuits. Yeah. Let's take over the company, take Discord from those furries and make it better so there's less lag. We are only going to stream Disney movies. We are going to get really deep in a lawsuit. <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope they own Exorcist 3. With that being said, Connor, do you have any last words for our listeners or uh, anything else? Do you want to thank me for this prank of making you sit again, through this twice? Phenomenal prank. Still loved it. When you sent the text out that day, I was like, wow, you yes. got Travis so good. <laughs> uh, I did. Glad I did. to be a part of it. Thanks for being uh, in on the joke. Oh, Dude, yeah. I got got. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shane, everyone. Dankums. Mine.